This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure on Jabberjaw Media. I wanted to tell you guys about the Patreon for the show. It's called the Pleasure Seekers Club, and there's two levels. There's the $5 level and the $10 level. And all this is, guys, is to help support the show, help support the cost of putting the show out, um, you know, time spent uh, building the show, hosting costs, travel costs to do the in-person interviews that you guys like so much. Um, it all costs money, and I always try to find the best deal for sure uh, because I do have a day job as well. But having that support on the Patreon is definitely going to help uh, bring more in-person interviews, more travel more uh, updated uh, graphics, hosting, websites, all that stuff. So, um, And if you like the show, $5 a month or $10 a month really helps out. I know it's kind of a, uh, an interesting thing with the Patreon when something's already free, uh, but it is always going to be free. But if you want to support the show a little bit more, I'd absolutely appreciate it. Uh, you can pay either $5 or $10 a month. We'll try to do some special things for the patrons as well as we go, um, but it's just a way to support the show in a different way, and uh, like I said, I really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. That's the most important thing I can ask for. So definitely go over and check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Podcast. Once again, that is patreon.com slash Podcast. Sign up today and join the community and help out the show. Keep it growing. And I thank you so much. Hey, this is Doc Coyle, host of the X-Man podcast and part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. The X-Man podcast is where I talk to professionals in the music world and other creative industries about the challenges and transitions of leading monumental ventures. This podcast is for those passionate and driven 20 to 30 somethings at a crossroad trying to figure out what's next. Listen and subscribe at jabberjawmedia.com.
What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week on your show, today, not this week, today on your daily dose of Peer Pleasure, one of the most requested guests again on the show, uh, Matt Embry from the RX Bandits, is joining the program today. I was really excited to do this one because uh, I was turned on to him by so many different people. Um, and I was never, uh, uh, I, I didn't discover RX Bandits till way later. Um, I had met Rich Balling from RX Bandits. He's the one who gave um, us with Anatomy of a Ghost uh, the first Seosin demo. Um, well, it was the first EP, but it was the demo version. It was on a CDR uh, out front of a club called the Cobalt Club uh, down in, shit, uh, somewhere down in uh, Los Angeles. I don't remember where that club was. A lot of weird shit went down there with us. But uh, Rich gave us that Seosin demo, and we're like, holy shit, this is going to be huge. And, of course, it was. Um, but And I was always told he was from RX Bandits, and I had never listened to the music. And uh, once I got into RX Bandits, uh, what a fucking amazing band. Um, and Matt, what an amazing musician. Just a great songwriter and, and, and such a friendly guy. And this happened to be his first podcast, I think, we talked about um, – so we've had a lot of firsts lately with the podcast, which has been awesome, even in the last week. So uh, big shout out to Matt, and thanks to uh, Randy Strohmeyer from Finch, who connected us. Um, he also connected me with um, Jordan Pundick from Newfound Glory. So shout out to Randy if he's listening, and uh, really appreciate that. And he was one of the ones who said, you know, you need to talk to Matt Embry. Have you talked to him? I said no, so he connected us up. So big shout out. So uh, peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. PeerPleasurePod at gmail.com is the email if you need to get in touch with me. Um, you can also get in touch with me on the Instagram, uh, the Facebook, all that stuff. I uh, don't use much Twitter, but you guys know that. So uh, anyways, that's all the business. No sponsors today, and we're just going to keep it simple. I, I think that's really working. I like these short intros, uh, these short outros, and the awesome conversation in the middle. So without further ado, guys, thank you for checking this out. And uh, let's get into my conversation with Matt Embry from RX Bandits. The Second Amendment is wrapped in Teflon. It's now no pillars bulletproof. Nothing but arguments on either side. Nothing has changed except the sober and truth. That even after 20 elementary school kids were murdered by a child not much older than them, people cried out for policymakers to change it. It's insane, and it's happening over and over again. With an AR-15 or an AK-47, a Mac-10 Tech 903-57. Could we change it all? Oh, that would never happen. No, never, no, never, no, never. Nobody has the answer, no one knows what to do But I'm so sick of feeling loveless and feeling like a fool And every time another kid goes to choose up a school Well, it's 24 hours and we're on to the next news The sensitize, the senseless violence Nothing but definite silence Coming from both sides of this With a weapon of war you cannot miss But it ain't our kids, so we don't teach Are you enjoying the show? If you are, definitely head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, 
anywhere you're listening to podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, throw us a five-star rating or a review. We really appreciate that. It helps the show out big time. So like I said, if you are enjoying the show, head on over and give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume podcasts. Thank you. Hello. Hey, Matt. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good, man. This is Dewey, by the way. <laughs> hey, Dewey. What's up? Hey, man. Hey, uh, I am uh, stoked to have you on, dude. I'm, I've, uh, man, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Right on. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because uh, I just I usually start these right when I when I call, but um, you and the RX Bandits have been requested for this show so many times, and it's it's funny because I was doing um, an interview with Nate from Finch, and Ivy, his wife, was like, "Man, you should talk to Matt from RX Bandits." I was like, "Do you know Matt from RX Bandits?" Because I've been getting this request constantly. And uh, she's like, yeah. And then Randy also said the same thing. You should talk to Matt from RX Bandits. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so uh, big thanks to him for hooking us together, man. Oh, uh, yeah, man. I've literally had cool. an email come in that said, so it's like, because I always ask for guest suggestions from the listenership. And, and uh, one actually had like a list of names, and then at the end it said, and literally anyone from RX Bandits. <laughs> so anyway, there's a there's a large demand. You're you're a pretty popular guy amongst many people. I don't know about that, but <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen Nate in, in a while, a long time, but definitely have a lot of great memories with them and and uh I'm really fond of both of them. Yeah. And, of course, Randy, dude. I just saw Randy not that long ago, but it had been a while before that. But, yeah, he he yeah, he put us together in the email, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a good dude. Him and I, we've never actually met in person. We've only corresponded oh, no? over text. Like, we've been – we found out last night we were in the same spot of the same crowd hanging out with – do you know the guys in Vox? Um, I don't, I don't okay. know those guys. Well, we played Furnace Fest, uh, one year and Vox was there and we were hanging out with Vox and Randy, he's like, do you like hum last night? And I was like, yeah, I do. I saw them at their reunion at, at Furnace Fest. He's like, dude, I was there. Like what? So we were literally probably standing 10 feet away from each other. And, uh, I've, yeah, th- it goes round and round with the close, close calls with meeting each other, but it never actually happened. So it's kind of funny. Small world, man. Yeah, yeah. Small absolutely. scene. <laughs> it really is. It. it really is. But especially uh, lifers, anyone who's been around for twenty years or so, I feel like um, you know, it doesn't even really matter like the style as much. You know, you probably know someone who's worked with somebody or toured with somebody. You know, if you're still doing it. Yeah, it's insane. It's all good. I see. We know a lot of same, like Anthony, and we know a lot of the same people. It's just weird that that uh, yeah, haven't run into each other anywhere else than on the phone. <laughs> yeah, man. But, well, well, right whatever, on. Dude. Well, yeah. So let's start. Let's start from the beginning. Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Seal Beach, California. Okay. 
Nice. And oh, are, are, sorry, are we starting? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. Well, we start. Okay. We start when I call. So like, I just uh, oh, I do bad. very little editing. It's pretty punk rock. I just uh, fire it off and and go because it's uh, a lot of times it it just seems to be better that way. I think than officially just saying hey, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, man. Well, Matt Ambry, welcome to the Pure Pleasure Podcast, my friend. <laughs> well, thank you for having me, dude. Absolutely. So, yeah, where did where, so you grew up in? You said Seal Beach. Yeah, I grew up in Seal Beach. Where is that? Which, um, I've never even heard of that. Yeah, it's a very small town. Um, it's the northernmost town in Orange County, and right next to Long Beach. Okay. So Long Beach is like the southernmost city in LA County. Okay. And Seal Beach is like literally right next to it, but it's only <clears throat> it's only a mile. A mile long and a mile, probably three quarters of a mile deep. Although there's technically, I mean, I don't want to get into the whole boring geography of it. But basically, like, it's it's a small little town. When I was growing up, there was probably like 10,000 people. But also really close to, like, you know, the megalopolis of L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still got, you know, the real, I don't know, small town nonsense. Yeah. You know, both, both good and bad. Sure. Both small town. I definitely understand that. I grew up on a small island island in Alaska, and, and uh, so we were kind of marooned. But once we moved up to the mainland, it was still like small town. But if you wanted to get to, you know, in Anchorage is no comparison to L.A. But if you wanted the city, you could go there. If you didn't, you could stay where you were at and have that little bit of freedom and, and uh, a little slower vibe. Oh, dude. I just went. To, that's awesome, man. I just went to Alaska for my first time. Did you? Boys of the trip. Yeah. Were you playing music or were you just going for? I was. Where did you go? <clears throat> um, well, I mean, the music was really an excuse just to hang. Yeah. Um, so so my agent, Dave, has a house up there uh-huh. in Homer. And um, we were just talking one night, and he was like, yeah, I got a house in Alaska, blah, blah. And I was saying to him, dude, I've, I've been to all, all 50 states except for Alaska. Uh-huh. So, and he's like, come on up. So... He basically just booked me a show in a bar, like an acoustic show in a bar, and uh, like a middle-of-the-day slot on this uh, benefit festival. And, you know, it I mean, it didn't... It basically paid for me to, to fly there. Yeah. We just hung out. hung out at his house for a week and then rented a camper van, missioned around. That's awesome. Dude, what did yeah. you think? It's pretty amazing state. I've... I mean, I'm biased, but it's uh, it's one of those beautiful places. Oh, dude, yeah. Bias aside, <laughs> I mean, it's it's no undeniable in its beauty for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like being in a, another country, you know. A little bit, yeah. I just I love the way that even in Anchorage, like you, you drive 15 minutes in any direction. Obviously, you can't go over the west, but any other direction and you're just in the forest like immediately <laughs> i've said this it's exact not... thing i've said this exact thing yesterday at where i was like man you can literally get in your car and drive 10 15 minutes any direction and be in the middle of nowhere from the biggest city and, and be gone yeah. just be gone it's the weirdest and coolest thing it's kind of scary when you do get out there because you're like shit now i'm in the middle of nowhere but 
if you oh, want that, sure. you can have it. And you have seasons and you have it's crazy. It's crazy. I think the big thing that makes it look the most different to me than anywhere else is the mountains, how jagged they are and 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 close and like the the it just looks like yeah, another world. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's right about the mountains. I remember thinking this sort of looks like when you're in Denver, only the mountains are much larger. Yeah. In the last like, you know, Denali and just that whole range mm-hmm. is massive. You know, it's like another, what, another 6,000 feet, yeah. basically. Yeah. Did you, so, so you, you, so the house is in, where did you end up playing? Do you remember the bar? Yeah, for sure. Coots. Oh, Chilco Charlie's. Okay. So it was in, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the place. That's the place, man. We played there too. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's a weird play. There's like little rooms of different shit, like oh, yeah. the bras hanging off the ceiling and the, the oh yeah, dude. Oh, real weird. You it's real weird. <laughs> it's, it's definitely my speed. Yeah, uh, it's super divey, sawdust on the ground and shit. Uh huh. You know, just like smells like despair. Man, I was down for it. So you said your agent Dave. It's not Dave Shapiro, is it? Yeah. Jesus Christ! Another connection. Matt, this is fucked up, dude. Uh, dude. What do you know? I know Dave, big time. He's awesome. I, I had a feeling when you said that my agent Dave in Alaska was like, "Oh, dude, that's got to be Dave Dave Shapiro." <laughs> yeah, I, have, I mean, I don't even I don't even have a compliment good enough for him. Honestly, dude, he's one of the yeah, I mean, best agents in the country in the world. Yeah, man. Uh, there, there's not a. He's definitely this more than anyone else. He's a single person who has helped me with music or just in the career of music more than anyone else. So wow, nothing but love for him. Yeah. That's a huge deal. He's uh, uh yeah, he's definitely invested. I mean, he's, he's uh yeah, I, I remember, I think we met back in 2001 or something like that back when uh, I forget the band he was playing in uh, count the stars or something like that. Um, I can't remember the name, but, but he was, he was talking about being a pilot and things like that. And like just all sorts of crazy shit. And I was just like, dude, this guy's nuts. Like he's, <laughs> he's got his pulse, the finger on the pulse of everything. Like, and then all of a sudden is the biggest agent in the world. It's like, what? This is crazy. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's quite a Renaissance man. He, he's a really good pilot, dude. Man. man. He can fly some shit. That's awesome. I, I, yeah. yeah, this is funny. There's so many connections, but so, you played Coots, and did you play anywhere else or just the one show in Alaska? I played Salmon Fest. Salmon Fest. Fest. Did you meet Matt Homer? Yeah, and Homer. Or sorry, Matt Homer in um, in uh, Kenai Peninsula. Yeah. Sorry, what did you think? Did you meet uh, a guy named Matt Hopper? He was playing Matt Hopper in the Roman Candles? You know what? It's a distinct possibility, but I'm pretty much at the point in my life where any new names that come into my brain, they either just get forgotten instantly or it boots <laughs> another person out you know yeah you've reached so, capacity uh, yeah oh yeah years ago dude dude what do you what do you attribute that to it's just a is it <laughs> is it getting older or is it do you think you just finally hit the wall uh well you know how it is touring in bands you meet a lot of people yeah um and and you know how I mean I don't know if this is how you did you told me a photographic memory um, so maybe it was probably easier for you but like um, you know you, you start to attribute people's faces to the city you're in uh-huh. and then you'll see someone 
like in a different city and you just won't recognize them, well, maybe that don't happen to me. It throws it throws you off. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I think probably just the years of meeting people or, you know, doing too many drugs, staying up too late. <laughs> I don't know. Some combo of all those. <laughs> or maybe my brain is just deteriorating as we speak. It's and possible. It's possible. <laughs> There's this thing. I forget uh, man, where I heard this. But it was they were talking about stereotypes and where stereotypes come from and how it's like an actual thing. I forget what they, they the I forget what it's called Dunbar I think is the 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 name of it. But it's something basically where your brain catalogs people by color of skin, uh, weird attribute, like to where you basically have like if you took your computer and you put a bunch of demos on there and one of them like here's all the heavy stuff so it's titled heavy and the other one's mm-hmm. soft and so when you see someone that's heavy uh it pulls up that folder only and you start sifting through it who is this person blah 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 and mm. the fact that you can only hold on to a certain amount of uh, like a finite number of faces and names and things at one time your your brain catalogs them, and that's kind of where stereotyping came from. It was I think maybe Rogan, Joe Rogan, was talking about it, um, but I thought that was fascinating, and that's what I thought about when you said that is is uh, maybe your your filing system is is a little wonky. Oh, my filing system is definitely wonky. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Man, that's hilarious. So, yeah, too many too many drugs, not enough sleep, touring for so long. That's one of the maybe the worst environments for a healthy lifestyle is touring. <laughs> oh yeah. It's just it's chaos. Also one of the most fun. It is. And that's what it's I mean. Fun for for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have you had any long-term damage from your years of touring? Aside oh, from the no mental, doubt. like, like, uh, you guys have never been in any like crazy accidents or anything like that with, with, uh, no, been lucky there. No, thank goodness. No, Man. but, I mean, we've had some crazy van breakdowns too. Like, that could have been really bad, but we just we lucked out. Really, our van put it. Yeah, for sure. Dude, on our very first tour, 1998, um, I turned 18 four days before we left. Um, we were we bought this shitty van for a thousand bucks off Craigslist. Thought that was a good idea, I guess. Uh, we probably couldn't afford anything else, but we just wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and this thing broke down for the first 10 shows. It broke down every day for the first 10 days. Or sorry, the first day it didn't break down. It made it all the way to Texas. So we had to leave from Long Beach. We had to go all the way to Texas, to Tyler, Texas. Anyway, it broke down there. But it broke down every consecutive day for the next nine days. Anyway, we had like a couple weeks of relatively smooth sailing and then we got to lincoln nebraska and the brakes went out completely oh shit like nothing happened at all when you when you press the brakes you know yeah and we were going we went on a highway through lincoln nebraska it was raining and no dice we luckily just luckily no one was around you know <laughs> luckily we just we pulled the, the emergency brake and it slowly slowed down and we didn't hit anyone Nobody hit us. We went through several red lights. Uh-huh. Oh, for sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, stuff like that has happened a lot. I mean, I think most bands, most band members who've toured in the van have probably experienced something. 
know, a real close call, if not, you know, getting in an accident. Dude, that's that's fucking crazy. We left for a tour once where our brakes were grinding on the way out of town for a full U.S. tour with a with a oh, yeah. passenger van and trailer, and we made it to all the way around back to California. And we went through we went through Yuma, Arizona. It was a hundred and like twenty degrees, and we're going into San Diego. And we get to a brake shop finally, and the guy brings out the rotors and just like starts flicking his finger on them as it starts flaking off into nothing. It's like, you guys go through some hot weather recently? We're like, yeah, we just came from Yuma. He's like, oh, okay. And yeah, anyways, we 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 did shit yeah. like that all the time. It was the dumbest thing we could have done. It would have taken like what three hundred bucks to have someone put brakes on, and we decided to hang on to that three hundred bucks and and keep rolling, like idiots. Was it was it worth it? Oh yeah. Yeah, it was win. exciting. It was exciting. Every time we would stop or even driving into Montana, <laughs> there's that giant hill that, or, or through Wyoming where there's that one overpass that every band spins out on in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's fucking on the, the one on the 80? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 84. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. I believe it's 84. But, yeah, we had a whole tour, tour package. Uh, everyone spun out a different way. One trailer got destroyed, and then. Yeah, random, random, awful spot. I think some people have actually like gotten really hurt there. Yeah, I'm sure. Fuck. That that's the worst, right? The worst is the black ice. Yeah, the worst is when you like you're on a bus tour and you're still in a van, and you know, so you have to drive every single night, and you know, in a winter tour in that situation when it's snowing, just every man. I I was in a van. Some of the some of the older dudes, or older dudes, no. Some of the, the gosh, I can't even, how am I trying to say this? <laughs> um, <laughs> a couple of the people who used to be in the band, like one of the guys, my buddy Noah, he used to, like, in situations like that, he would just crawl up on the floor of the band and just sleep. He had, like, no problem. <laughs> We're, like, sliding around on black ice. He's like, all right, guys, I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> I'm going to sleep again in his sleeping bag and just sleep like a baby. Yeah, you know, all of us are like just staring, you know, freaking out. This guy's just sleeping, dude. He just he, he was he's got that uh, stoicism, man. He was in that zen. He just fucking whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen, and I can't control yeah. it. Here we go. Yeah. God, I wish I could just, be that way. <laughs> he had he had the zen. Yeah. Shit, man. We had a guitar tech that <laughs> he we were driving from uh, Denver to Boise for our first day to warp tour and our very first day to warp tour. Like we needed to like make an impression and we were all, yeah, we got to get there, you know. So we pull up this rest stop at this uh, or like it was like a flying J or something. And we go in, I take a piss and I, I come back out and I lay back down. It's his turn to drive. So he gets in. I fall asleep immediately. We all wake up like six hours later. And we're at a Flying J or whatever. And we're like, man, awesome. I got to piss. And go in there. I was like, I've been here before. He literally climbed back in the seat and fell asleep. And we were <laughs> like nine hours late to our first day to Warp Tour. It was insane. That's tight. That kind of shit all right. happened all the time. But, yeah, Jesus Christ. I Yeah, it's a whole, whole nother world. No uh, doubt, man. But uh, No doubt. Well, t- tell me uh, – Tell me, like, growing up growing up in Seal Beach, like, were you, like, into surfing and the whole beach activities, or were you into music pretty much, you know, right away when you started kind of getting into 
to your your uh, your time? Well, I pretty much learned how to swim in the ocean, so that was an important thing for me mm-hmm. from from the jump, pretty much. Yeah. Um. But I got into music pretty young too. Um. I think my parents got me a guitar when I was eight. Um, and yeah, my dad had an acoustic and I probably told him that I wanted to play guitar or I want to like a guitar or something. He's like, okay, if you practice every day for six months, we'll buy you a guitar. And it was only 15 minutes a day, but I did it. On acoustic? So the story goes, I don't, I'm sure I skipped some, a few days. I'm sure, sure I just like, cause we had the little kitchen timer, you know, so I probably just dinged it. But anyway, man, so, so he bought you the guitar six months later. Yeah. I think like for Christmas or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a Squire two. You remember Squire two? I sure do. Oh, they were sick. I still have it. I love it. <laughs> That's it's amazing. It's so janky and haggard. Oh yeah. It still chills. I, I took it on tour with me like, I don't know, seven months ago. Still goes <laughs> your first guitar. That's incredible. I yeah. was I had a K three and I bought off a friend for seventy dollars. It was he, worth probably he, twenty. Who made oh K like K Y company K? Yeah, yeah. It's from the Philippines, oh. I think, or something. But uh, yeah, some like it was like a K three. It looked like a Jackson, like one of the shredder guitars. And, oh, uh, holy shit, man! It was. I don't 24. have that. That's for sure. That thing's long gone. But you playing it. <laughs> What's that? Did you sell it? No, I think it just got it just got lost in the shuffle. Like I mean, my mom made us sold it in the garage sale, because um, it was still at the house when I moved away, and uh, yeah, they, my parents moved down to Seattle and from Alaska, and it's yeah, it's nowhere to be found. But uh, they got rid of a lot uh, of stuff quickly. Yeah, my mom got rid of a lot of my stuff too, probably uh, for the better. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so was your dad a, a player as well, or did he just have an acoustic sitting around? Um, he played in like little bands, like in high school, and he moved to California for college. So I don't think he played once he got to college. But yeah, he played with his friends like a little bit here and there. I think they had a little blues band back in Denver. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, so what? Yeah. What did you What did you grow up listening to? Because you, I mean, you've got a very eclectic style. Like if, that's one thing I've noticed about your catalog is it's very. I mean, it just goes all over the place, which is awesome. Like it's it seems like you have a really good grasp of so many genres. Um, it's it's really refreshing because it's just everything everything goes from one song to the next is just new, new, new. Like it's uh, what what like did you grow up listening to? Thanks, man. Um, yeah, it's kind of spastic. Um, I grew up, well, like, my parents were always playing, like, Beatles and stuff, you know, like probably everyone else of their generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and Michael Jackson, for sure. I remember they had Thriller on vinyl. Oh, yeah. And my mom's got some some sweet videos of me when I was four dancing to it. <laughs> Has That, you know, it hasn't aged well, given all the recent implications. Uh-huh. But, um, but you know what? We didn't know that back then. Sure. Um, so probably, you know, got into like all that 90s stuff because I was like, you know, I was nine in 1990. So uh, 
Red Hot Chili Peppers, Pearl Jam, um, you know, who else? Pearl Jam 10, mm-hmm. Chili Peppers had Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Um, and then I got hyped on Metallica, and that was it, you know? That did it. That was it. <laughs> well, because it was like, that was that was something that, where you could really, I don't know, I felt like Kirk Hammett's solos were difficult enough to really need to practice to learn, mm-hmm. but easy enough as far as their composition. You know, it's basically all minor pentatonic. Yeah. Like all of it. Yeah. It's just super meth speed, you know? And um, so, what, you know, those tab books, I forget who made them. Oh, but, I remember. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're at all the music shops. Uh, yeah. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. The glossy yeah. covers. Was, and... it, was it Cherry Lane? It might be. I forget. It was, yeah, maybe it was Cherry Lane. It's one of those ones where all the tab books were coming out. And so my buddy and I, um, his stepmom worked at Kinko's. So we would go and get a tab book. And he'd give it to his stepmom, and his stepmom would make a copy. So basically, we would each buy one and make a copy for each other. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, just like, oh man, just spent hours learning like kill them all stuff and um, ride the lightning. Wow. And basically, from like metal, uh, got into punk and ska from punk. And then, you know, all kinds of other stuff yeah. later on. Yeah. What did it for you with punk rock? What uh, what pulled you over to that from, from Metallica? Did you go back through Metallica's influences, like the Misfits and and uh, like uh, like Motorhead's a good one that that blends both metal and punk and and things like that, or did you just go completely the other direction? Yeah, no, you know, I never really got into Motorhead. Like I like you know like the classic tunes like Ace of Spades and shit like that. But, oh yeah. Um, no, you know, I never. I mean, I don't know how old you are, but back back then, um, you know, it wasn't easy to learn a lot of stuff about like the band you liked mm-hmm. the, except for what they put out and what, what was in like interviews and stuff, you know, you couldn't like Google and find out like, you know, all about their influences and, you know, stuff that, you know what I mean? Just basically anything you want, which you can do now. Sure. Um, so I guess I didn't, I had no idea who Metallica was like ripping off or, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. But, um, I, I got into punk probably because of just like the energy, the rawness. And then as soon as I went to my first show, like a punk show, it was like over because just, just the way that the, the community and here in North County, the scene in the nineties was incredible. It was so inclusive and, you know, I was so nervous, you know, I was 14. My dad dropped me off to the show and like, in, you know, I'm waiting in line, so sold out of this uh, warehouse called Viva Las Vegas. And I just remember people like strangers were just like immediately nice to me. You know, I remember people like strangers being like, hey, come, you know, come dance. Like, this is, this is what you do. And I mean, just that community really, really drew me in. Man, that's it. See, I'm I'm uh, I was you said you were nine in, in 1990. Yeah, turn ten in the summer. Okay, yeah, I was eight, so I, we're right close to each oh. other. I remember, yeah, so much of that stuff. And we used to do we when the, I think I was thirteen. We start being able to to uh, print off tabs from uh, 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 the when the internet was kind of start. There was like ultimate tabs or something like that. We used to print off. We we would buy oh. the the tab books as well, but um, 
in a in Anchorage. I mean, they were super expensive, and like the, I we were buying like Green Day stuff and and uh, Weezer, and which is hilarious to to buy a tab book for Weezer because <laughs> you can figure it out pretty fucking easy. But that's how no, we were learning to play, you know, like. Yeah, but when, you know the Blue Album has some weird shit. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it like, does. I think that was. I think that was what uh, you know a big reason that their sound was so new mm-hmm. because they have like little dissonant things thrown in there. So I, I get it, you yeah. know, especially the solo. The, the solos are so cool. Oh, album. dude, that was a class. That was one of the ones where I was listening to like White Zombie and uh, Pantera, and and uh, then. All of a sudden, my buddy Joe brings over uh, the first Green Day album and then uh, the Blue album from Weezer, and I was like, "Wow, I could I could probably play all of this." And I, so then I would just start jamming off that. But uh, yeah, I remember that time. That was yeah, we're in the grew up in the same time. Um, yeah, a whole nother whole nother world. Um, yeah, man, do you remember? Um, you had an awesome scene down there. Uh, in Southern California, like the the yeah. whole oh my god, dude, those were bands. What you were seeing was bands I would wish to see, and I had to like mail order the CDs from a catalog because they never came to Alaska <laughs> ever. It was literally Aussie, yeah. Aussie Stone Temple Pilots, White Zombie, No Effects came once, and uh, okay, yeah. That was, uh, yeah, and then, like, Fishbone. Fishbone. I saw Fishbone at a club that oh, probably yeah. holds 100 people. I was blown away. It it oh, changed so many things for me with, with In music. In time, too, right? Yeah, it was nuts. Angela was insane. Yeah. It, was, oh, uh, it was crazy. It was crazy. Shirts off, first song. He's on top of the crowd. People who don't know what to make <laughs> of this thing. It was beautiful. It was absolutely oh, beautiful. Man, I bet. But, uh, oh, I would. I never saw Fishbone in their prime. Oh. I just saw them like earlier this year, but um, you know, I mean, they were still cool or whatever. But it was a festival, like festival. Some bands, like I always felt like that with RX. Like festivals are just not for some bands. Just, it's just not the right thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You just don't get the right vibe. Sure. And there's some bands that shouldn't be seen in the daytime. You know. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Or without their yeah. light show, or without their fog machines, or you know the mystique that they they were like bands like Sun and things like that, where it's like I'm seeing Sun at three o'clock in the afternoon in the sunshine, like it just does not work. And uh, right, but, oh for sure, you guys seem like you guys could play literally any festival anywhere and be just fine because you have so many so many styles going on that seems like anyone in that crowd would find something to hold on to. Well, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I'd rather not play in the daytime, too. Yeah. You know, I feel like we fall into that category. But, I mean, we always made the best of it. And mm-hmm. I, it's fun. Like, I mean, playing Bonnaroo, Coachella, stuff like that, like, it was so fun for us, you know. Yeah. But friends there and had a great time. But still, you, you know, the vibe's like, it's not your show. You know sure. what I mean? you can really create the kind of like community and atmosphere that you want when it's your show, you know, Mm -hmm. your dedicated show when it's a festival, you know, it's, it's a, it's just a different energy, you know, it's still really cool, but it's just different. It's weird to see that many, 
it kind of festivals kind of remind me of what the internet and 24 hour news did to uh, our brains a little bit because I mean, <laughs> I could tell you like what happened to some lady, you know, when some lady like chews out a kid in a restaurant that's not hers and you hear about it on the news, you know, over in North Carolina or something. And I go to work mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there. I'm like, I shouldn't know this. Like, I am not meant to know this much <laughs> stuff. You know what I mean? No, like, it kind of just like dumbs down everything. Not to, that's, I guess, the wrong word for the news. It's the right word, but for music, a festival, I don't think people are meant to see that many things at once in one day. You know, like it just seems like you can't really grasp onto anything fully, and it's kind of just this like transient kind of um, like kind of just the things are shuffling past in front of you. You know, like um, it just a, it's a weird thing. And then playing a festival. Like you said, like it's weird. Like the first few rows may be into you, or or maybe more than that. But if you're not headlining that thing, like it's it's just crazy. Like it's just there's people you know watching their phones six rows in, talking to each other, and while you're up there, you know, twenty five feet away from the very first person in the crowd, it's just insane. It just none of it seems right to me. It's just like a weird thing that you do like okay we put out a record and now we do the festival circuit and then that's how we spend our summer it's kind of a weird thing yeah um yeah it's a really like it's a very transient style of uh music consumption for yeah. sure yeah uh, but you know i i also see i mean i think for some band depending on what kind of band you are but for some bands and i can remember like certain years where um, whatever festivals we're playing, you know, there's always like some buzz around certain bands, mm-hmm. you know, and, and maybe people who had no, no prerogative either way about this band. Now they're hearing about it, you know, cause it's a real, it's a social thing, you know, you meet different people and you're cruising around in different groups. And, you know, I felt like every year there would be a buzz around certain bands. And I think that a lot of the time it really helped those bands. I mean, I think sometimes they were like bands who weren't really that good, but because, you know, because they had that hype, they had a little, a little bump for the next year or two. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's... I think it really worked for some people. I don't think we were, I don't think we were ever that band, but uh, I think it does work for some people. But yeah, it's weird. Well, you guys had the longevity, like you didn't have the flash in the pan kind of, kind of thing where I'm trying to think of who was saying this, uh, I think it was Neil from Clutch was talking about how the worst uh, the worst thing that can happen to a band is a hit because it basically 90% of your fan base from that point on, you know, is people that heard you on this one song and they want to hear that one song yeah. only and your 10% of your, you know, your steady fans you've had going forward are going through the, the motions, you know, through the whole time yeah. are then either annoyed by those people that have come on board or just completely washed away. And uh, then if you don't play that song, you're fucked. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, and having like a band like you guys, where you guys have just had this, like you've got the longevity. Like there's, there's, I mean, it's not that hype band for, you know, one little thing, you know, like what was that band? Uh, not to, you know, I get, there was that, that Wolf Mother band that everyone's like, whoa, oh, this yeah, band's insane. And uh but then like or or jet or those bands like those are the ones that just come to mind and they both sound kind of the same but uh they're like this big yeah. hype and then there's nothing like where yeah. where are they now you know like but they also weren't good yeah that's they true they were good and they didn't have their own <laughs> they didn't have their own sound 
they were doing that stupid like retro thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like just just recycling some old shit. So because I do think that, you know, I can't even think of any examples right now, dude, but I'm going to try. But I know that there's bands out there that, let's just say that they never had the hit. I'm maybe like, oh, here's a good one. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Steve Miller, but he's had tons of hits. Um, I can't think of one. But anyway, I see bands a lot that are still doing like the casino circuit. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's good or that there's like a lot, you know, tons of integrity involved in that. But they're bands from the 70s and they're still playing. Yeah. You know, and like just from like, you know, being the kind of person I've been in working class bands my whole life that never had hits. And, I, you know, I wouldn't trade it because, you know, we, we, for whatever reason, we just got so blessed with the kind of people who decided to like our music and they just supported us forever. But I see where like some band, if they never had a hit, then they just wouldn't have anything now. You yeah. know, like there's still sometimes a, a, a big enough hit. You can just ride off that forever. And if you're the kind of band where you don't lose your original fan base, maybe they get annoyed in the beginning, but let's say you had a big enough catalog behind you, um, to where your fans still stick with you after the hit, after the whole hype has subsided. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it could help, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Wish I had an example, but you know, there's my brain. Yeah. <laughs> Well, bands. I mean, and you're talking like with like with Wolf Mother and those bands, like kind of ripping off the the kind of style. It's I don't know if you've played. You probably have. Uh, I would assume, but looked at like the Led Zeppelin "Stairway to Heaven" and then that song by Spirit, and like all, and kind of looked into how many of these amazing bands completely ripped off other bands, and then the mm-hmm. other band just got nothing <laughs> just like completely <laughs> like just ended up on you know wherever maybe on the state fair circuit who knows but Dude. watching yeah. just them take that and and run with it and then everyone thinks it's completely original and and it's just such a weird thing to watch but um i don't know why that came up in my mind but uh that looking at those side by side was kind of like the was it the dane cook louis ck videos on youtube where they show like ripping off jokes and and uh, it's crazy. What is it they say? Art uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, or something like that. But uh, yeah. Anyways, I'm going on a tangent, but um, <laughs> and you, well, you guys, you guys too. Like, you guys could tour with with pretty much anybody. I mean, you guys have had an amazing, amazing run of tours. But like talking to like the Coheed and Cambria guys, like Josh is like, who are we going to tour with? Like who can we? They're always headlining because they're like, who can we go out with? Nobody, and he did. They just keep hitting a wall, so they have to headline everything. But you guys, you guys just have that, uh, just totally flexible. That's the. I mean, that's something I don't see a lot of in bands nowadays or back. You know, further is somebody that can kind of blend in everywhere. Like it's it, and what do you attribute that to with with RX band specifically? Um, you know, crossing so many styles. Um, that you know, what is what is it that that really brought that together? Was it just the members, the member changes? Are you writing most of the things? I mean, how does that work for you guys? Um, you mean it's the songwriting stuff? Yeah, but like, like it's so varied. It seems like it's a mixed bag of a lot of different uh, uh, input. But is it mainly yours? 
or is you know everyone in the band writing and bringing songs to the table? Um, well, in the early days, it was mostly me. Uh-huh. But uh, once, as far as like the harmonic and melodic content, um, I never we're never the kind of band where. Well, anyway, I should say once Choi got in the band, Steve Choi, yeah, which was 2001, then it became a lot more collaborative because I just like really well and still do really respect his musicianship and uh, I think before that I was a little uh, probably just younger so but even then Rich wrote some songs anyway mm-hmm. so it was it was a mostly collaborative thing I would say I probably did like 70% um, and then that got a little relaxed but we were never the kind of band to be like um, you know right of everyone else's parts mm-hmm. uh, like I never do that so it was uh, it was always more like um, I thought you know have here I've got this idea check it out it goes like this and then Gak would write the drums to it and then a lot of the time that would spark a new idea um, and some of the stuff just came straight up from jamming like we wouldn't write anything we just smoke a bunch of weed uh-huh. and just go you know go in the garage and just start playing music and then whenever we came up with something that we liked we like, I remember that. Sometimes we remember that. <laughs> Sometimes we wouldn't. Uh, a lot of the times we wouldn't. I still think a lot of the best ideas we ever had, we never used. And we've forgotten to record. You know, we would not press record, and then we would come up with the best shit and then promptly forget it. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I that seems to be a common theme with a lot of a lot of bands where just, yeah shit just didn't get recorded or didn't hit record didn't have a, a an apparatus to record and it's always some of the best stuff you know, like, oh yeah <laughs> I mean straight up I think it was it was a running joke in the band for a long time that so we would always record on tape right so we'd always play. Um, all four of us, the four, when we had horns, just it was still just the four of us in the room, and we overdub horns, and keys, and vocals after. But the rhythm section would always play together. Mm-hmm. And so we just record full takes. We didn't uh, listen to a click track. We would just play and then pick the best one. We'd usually go like, um, we'd allow ourselves like three takes total, and then we got to pick one, right? Yeah. And that, that way we wouldn't like spin our spin our wheels and you know be obsessing over this and that just like you know take the best one move on and so we practice a lot before we record you know because we wanted to do well all of us you know i'm sure every dude in the band still knows all the little parts where we made mistakes because we wouldn't go and overdub it you know mm-hmm. we wouldn't fix our mistakes we just ride with it um so the running joke is pretty much every song we ever recorded the best take didn't get recorded. We'd forget to press record or something, you know, something would happen, something weird, the tape would run out or whatever. Yeah. Much across the board. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> or it was just me recording it, you know, in the garage and I wouldn't press record. I'd forget, you know, some sort of user error, mostly user error. Yeah. I just, it just takes me back to the early days of every 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 band I've ever been in with the same kind of problems with the the, the yeah it, it, people some people also are meant to be creative and on the one side of the glass and some people are meant to be on the other 
And so there's always some kind of mistake in there too, where someone wants <laughs> to start recording and, and, uh, or, or wants to, yeah, we could do this ourselves, you know, or we'll document this and, and yeah, totally fouls it up or, or totally, you know, changes directions and becomes some amazing producer. But that it's always something, yeah. something electronic that goes wrong or, of course, get smoke too much weed and totally forget. <laughs> but your your yep. most creative point, and you're they're, they're making this magic. Maybe it's total dog shit, but it just felt like total magic because you're still out of your mind. But yeah, I think I think that's a I'm pretty sure common. There's a lot thing. of that. <laughs> there's definitely a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, we used to, oh man, we used to do we we go smoke, yeah, and we would come up with this like bizarre like fantasy story, you know. We'd be like, we, we didn't have anything in mind. We just wanted to jam and record it. And so we'd come up with like a story like, okay, this is about the gnomes marching up the hill. The gnomes are going to start in the grassy meadow, right? Like they're going on an adventure, find like the amethyst, the magic amethyst or something like that. They would, <laughs> so, <laughs> so stupid. But we uh, just, and so when they go up the mountain, we'll have this like marching type vibes, you know, and they come down the other side and they get attacked by pterodactyls and, you know, they, you know, it's a Mordor type situation, but at the end of the day, they, they're free. They, they run into like the, um, the happy meadow or whatever. Right. So we come up with these dumb stories and then we would just try and play that. You know what I mean? Yeah. We had no idea. Sometimes we'd set up like a key center and just everyone remember like, okay, this is the time, this is the pterodactyl time, you know? And uh, that's a lot of fun. I recommend that to any band members out there. <laughs> I recommend Make up a story and try and play it. I recommend the next album you put out is called a Mordor type situation. <laughs> that's that's what I recommend from that one. Are you a are you a Primus fan? I am. Okay. Did you catch them with Mastodon? I did not. Okay. They. T- <laughs> I brought my friend Josh to this show, Primus Mastodon. I was like, dude, his favorite band in the world is Pearl Jam. So I was like, dude, I'm going to expand your mind a little bit. Pearl Jam's great, but come on now. Here we're going to we're gonna go see Mastodon and Primus. Primus, uh, Mastodon opened. Primus uh, basically played one actual song and then said, Les started talking about a, a book he read about these rainbow trolls that were on a journey. Okay. And this is this completely ties together because he then said this is our interpretation of that story. And they went into the weirdest like some songs were just him like slapping one note on the bass, just dun and then nothing. And then dun for five minutes. And then like just oh. talking about these we- and there's pictures of these rainbow trolls like fighting each other and roaming the landscape. <laughs> And Josh is just mouth open, just like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, dude, this isn't prime. This isn't, pri- this isn't, this don't, don't let this ruin it for you. It's, it, they'll be done in a minute. Half hour later, they're still going. And we left. <laughs> but it was totally like oh, wow. the random, like, and we went. So it's, I don't know if you ever played Edgefield in Portland. Um, it's like this big open uh, deal. Like people have weddings there and shit. Anyways, we walked out and sat on this these chairs waiting for our uber to pick us up and it was still going and we're just like he's just like i don't understand this like we still joke about the rainbow trolls but i don't know 
if they were fucked up or what, but it was the weirdest thing. Like I've seen Primus in their their heyday, and it was one of the best things I've ever seen. And this just totally like killed it for me because <laughs> it it was yeah yeah I I wasn't stoned, so I I maybe if I was, it would have been different. But I was completely sober just trying to watch this with somebody who's never seen or heard Primus before, and uh, trying to like explain it away. And then he's like, "Yeah, hey, you just want to get out of here?" Like, "Yeah, yeah, I think I do." <laughs> So we bailed. Yeah. But yeah, that's tough. Dude, that's real rough. You can probably find videos of this. I think the whole tour they did it. I looked it up. Like they, they, it was something they did the whole run. And it was just the weirdest. It was just weird. Yeah. Rainbow Trolls. There's like, like act four, whatever. You can pull up the set list or whatever. And it's, I forget what they were calling the thing. It was different acts. But he would bring out different bases and then they would come out with like wizard uh, outfits on. And okay. uh, yeah, I think I was just too, too much towards the sober side of of understanding what was happening in front of me. But it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty unreal. <laughs> you may want to check that out later. It's uh, yeah, I mean, you know, respect to uh, to Claypool. Yeah, and uh, respect to any bands who wants to get real artsy in their show, but that's. Kind of just hating on your audience too. It was weird. Yeah, it was. I thought they were just like working it out live, but I, I looked like it. From looking online, it looked like it had been worked out already, and this is just what they're gonna do. This is their headliner. We're gonna, we're gonna let it rip. So. I mean, you know, I could also see that, like the diehard Thomas fans, loving it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're like, what's better than seeing my favorite band just get ultimate weird? Yeah. Yeah. Have you, I've got a friend that, uh, so I'm not, I'm not big into jam bands, right? Where, where there's like a whole scene of jam bands and there's always this joke that says, there's this whole joke that says jam bands are only fun for the people in them. Uh, this has been going around, but he's like into like the, the, um, and uh, forgive me if, if you're fans of these bands, but like Umphreys McGee, um, He's a big fish fan. He's a big fan of uh, pigeons playing ping pong. Um, okay. And he actually, so we joke back and forth musically because we're the two guys that were, I work construction now. So like it's pretty limited uh, resource as far as, you know, music taste. And we're the two like music guys. So we're ta- joking about it. And he's like, dude, I'm going to totally get you to an Umphreys McGee show. And he bought mm-hmm. me, a, he bought me a ticket, uh, put it on the table at this Christmas party. He's like, now you have to go at least for one set. And he was literally, it was funny watching him escape. He started talking about, dude, you're experiencing the space noodle jam. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they're just up there, like, just just going to town. And, uh, mm-hmm. but it was so funny watch, just watching people watching because everyone was into it. Like, they were, like, people were hanging off the curtains at the Crystal Ballroom, which I'm sure you've played before. There's big curtains oh, yeah. on the wall. People are, like, dangling off them and just... Wow. In another world, and I'm just watching this. Go like, what's that? Are the people go in? Yeah, it's crazy, and uh, yeah. So, anyways, I I watched the set, and he was you know trying to convert me and all this stuff, and uh, but yeah, I <laughs> the space noodle jam just stuck out in my mind what he was talking because he like had his own terminology for for spacing out, and uh, it's weird. I go like I go like. Uh, <laughs> So many different ways with music and like some crazy like 
out there psychedelic stuff, but then like there's these certain bands that just don't do it for me. But the the that was one of them. Where I was just like, I don't understand. Like after the first set, it was like an hour and a half. I was like, I think I'm gonna go. He's like, All right, man, we'll see you later. And uh, they stayed and just were dancing the whole time. And it was just it sounded like every song started to sound the same to me. Um, but yeah, the whole anyway. I don't know where that came from. The jam bands. I, I don't know what that got in my mind. I guess from Primus. Um, Probably Primus. But they anyway. had a little crossover at the Venn diagram of jam band. Yeah, yeah. Are you yeah. into the Are you into the jam bands? No. Okay. No, not really. Yeah. I mean i I love to jam. Yeah. Well, there's a know? difference. There's a difference. <laughs> like it's not all you do. <clears throat> no, and I I think that RX at times, you know, leaned in a little bit, stuck our head in the jam band room. Yeah. You know, uh, but. I'll say this. I think that I think that the whole jam band world, I mean, if you are a band in that world, those fans, those are some of the best fans to have. That is a hundred percent true. <laughs> dude, because they just want to hear you play. Yeah. Like these dude, these you know, string cheese all these bands uh, what's that other one? Widespread panic. Yep. yep. There's a ton Spread of spreadheads. It seems like they're all from Colorado. <laughs> There's a ton of them. And like these dudes have never had a hit. None of these, you know, these bands that hit. I mean, I don't know if Fish ever had like a proper hit. Fish is probably the biggest one, obviously, besides Grateful Dead. Yeah. But Jerry died a long time ago, and they're still huge, by the way. Oh but yeah. Dead and come. Anyway, um, people, these fans, they just want to come see you play. They just want you to play whatever you want, mm -hmm. and they want you to play for four hours. You know, I mean, <laughs> as far as. As far as being a musician is concerned, I mean, that's about as good as it gets. Yeah. No? Yeah. Like, they buy they're, every they're great, poster. They buy fans. every pin. They buy every, I mean, it's And they'll crazy. follow your, they'll follow your tour. Yeah. You know, like RX had a lot of fans like that. We were really blessed with that. Fans who would like follow us sort of like a, a jam band, you know, deal where you're going to like every show on the west coast during one five-week tour or something yeah but it's a thing in that world to just follow the band trend you know they're seeing almost the same set every night and for four hours and they're so down yeah i mean i will say this dude i've never seen fish before and i have a friend similar to yours who was saying this dude lives in wyoming i barely ever see him he's far out he just calls me one day he's like, Matt, I'm in town. I bought you a ticket to see fish. You got it. You got to see Trey, bro. You know, he's always like talking about, dude, you got to see Trey. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do this. I, I don't want to go. His name is Mike. I'm like, Mike, I don't want to go, dude. I'm good. I'm good. But he's like, no, I already got the ticket and I'm on my way to your house. Oh my God. Okay. So I went, I went and I saw fish and I saw him at the forum. First of all, they sold out the forum. Uh -huh. That's 20,000 tickets. Okay? Yeah. That's wild. Second of all, I was blown away by the the makeup of the crowd. It was like, you know, there was like the, I guess you would call it, you know, the standard sort of like hippie vibe people. The but lighters. they were by no means the majority. There was like hipster, you know, the full hipster LA squadron was there. There was like, bros you know there was like people in their 60s 
and everyone's dancing, everyone's singing. It blew my mind. I had no idea. They played two sets. Nobody left. They had probably the most amazing live show I've ever seen any band have. I didn't know a single song, but I was thoroughly entertained. Wow. And I was blown away. I was blown away. I don't want to go see him again. Yeah. You know, but if Mike shows up with a ticket again, <laughs> you know, I might just have to roll. Dude, they do their tickets go on a lottery. Like there's a like wow. they go on a lottery system. And so you think who what bro out there? What is the story on how he got there? He obviously did not participate in the lottery, probably. Maybe he's there with a girl. Maybe he's there. Maybe his brother or something is. You know, like you look at people and you're like, it's weird to judge people, but you look like, how did you end up here? Like, what did you, what circumstance brought you to the forum tonight? Like, so yeah. weird. So weird. And 20,000 of those stories. 20,000. Yes. And you I'm know? sure all of them are interesting. <laughs> Dude, and, and they've done like several nights before like that. That's insane. Like, not just one. I mean, who, I mean, name another band. Like, a Radiohead couldn't do that. No, you know, they're no. like very few, like, pop stars could do that. Maybe Rage so, Against the Machine. Maybe. Yeah, I have no idea. Because I mean, Slayer sure just huge. played the forum, too, the other night. And it was probably, that was our oh, last show. Sure. That had to be sold out. But the that's crazy. Yeah. Fish did a New Year's Eve show in Florida that he flew to, and they went to sleep and woke up, and they were still playing. Like, he, he wanted to play all night. Like, that was the whole thing. Yeah. They would play all night. And they did it. I love it. It's fucking crazy. I'm sure they did. I'm sure people were hyped. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry to, to turn this into a jam band conversation. But, yeah. So, anyways. Yeah. That, Your podcast. Do whatever you want. We took it. We took it around. Well, one one thing. I And I don't ask many questions on this show because it's mainly just a conversation. And I'm not sure if you've listened to other episodes, but, like, or podcasts in general. Um but I do. One thing I was curious about with you is is uh do you work a day job or have you had to work a day job since uh you know since RX started taking off? Or are you able to just support sure. yourself through through music? I have been fortunate enough to be able to support myself through music for twenty years. Jesus Christ, that's the win, man. That's yeah, man. huge. I'm I'm very grateful, no doubt. Wow. I'm sure there's been some tough times maybe here and there, but that's a, that's oh, yeah. an amazing accomplishment. Oh, yeah. Anyone, you know, anyone who's friends with band members or in a band, like, you know, you know how it goes. If I mean, especially if you're a, <clears throat> excuse me, especially if you're a uh, touring band, if that's how you make your money, it's feast and famine. Yeah. You know, feast and famine, I should yeah. say. So, yeah, there's been some, like, some relatively hard times but in general it's been pretty consistent yeah um so yeah i'm really really grateful i mean i'm not rich you know but not struggling well sure and you yeah yeah. that's that's the ultimate the ultimate win that's something i ask every once in a while because i'm really curious you know on on uh if people have been able to do that and and uh i mean that's the, the ultimate win to to spend 20 years making money off your art like it's and something you've created and not having to to necessarily answer to anybody else or you know it's god that's that's got to be good for your health regardless of the drugs regardless of the the shitty sleep and and touring conditions that is what's going to provide longevity is that that freedom in your mind of not having getting up and doing what you want to do versus what you have to do 
Amen to that, Dewey. That's awesome. Amen to that. Man. Yeah. Well, dude. great. That... cool. But, you know, there's also the there's downsides, too. You know, you don't have – I've never been in a situation where I've been able to really plan that far out. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I've never, never really been able to plan, you know, for what's going to happen a while down the road just because you're kind of always grinding to find, like, all right, what's the next thing going to be? All right, what's the next thing going to be? And there's no there's no guarantee, you know? That's true. But I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Well, Matt, dude, I've taken an hour of your time already, man. We've been on the phone for an hour. And, uh, cool. dude, I, I, it always goes so fast. But, dude, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show and and uh, and being awesome and and making great music. And uh, I'm I know so many people are gonna be stoked when I when I post about this episode when it comes out because I've literally email. I've been doing this for just over three years on this show, and and at least a couple times a month get an email that specifically says either you or Choi or. Uh, and like the last, the literally any member of our expanded past or present, uh, is that how they summed it up? So it's going to make a lot of people happy as well. And, and dude, I, I, uh, I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, no worries, man. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. It's really sad that people, you know, that people want to hear me talk about nonsense. Dude, that's, that's seriously, you've, you've been doing music, supporting yourself for 20 years and people, just want to hear you speak about whatever. I mean, that's cool. you're winning all day long, man. You win <laughs> well, all day long. I appreciate you. And now appreciate you can spend the rest you. of your day doing whatever you want to do. Yeah, I got to go make some vocals. There you go. All right, brother. Well, hey, man, I'll be in touch. And, and thank you again uh, for the time and the, and the good chat. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. All right, Matt. Have take care. One. Bye. All right. Peace. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Matt Embry from the RX Bandits. Uh, I am really glad we had him on the show. I'm glad a lot of you guys are stoked about it. You've gotten a lot of emails already asking when it's coming out, and it is finally here. You've just heard it. So, uh, yeah, big shout-out to Matt for coming on and and also uh, to Randy. Thank you so much for connecting us. And, uh, yeah, it was nice uh, getting to chat with someone who's such a great musician and, and a great uh, songwriter and just a creative individual. Uh, which I get the pleasure of doing pretty much every week on this show. That's uh, something I don't take for granted. So thank you guys for coming back week after week, in this case, day after day. Uh, we are midweek, hump day, I believe, on the Daily Dose of Peer Pleasure. So glad to have you guys on board. I know it's a lot of uh, content coming at you all at once, and hopefully you can get through it all, uh, even if it's not you know, day after day. If it takes you two weeks, three weeks to get through it all, more power to you i just appreciate having you guys back so all right guys i'm gonna get out of here we'll see you tomorrow as always we'll see you on the radio
Hey, this is Doc Coyle, host of the X-Man Podcast and part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. The X-Man Podcast is where I talk to professionals in the music world and other creative industries about the challenges and transitions of leaving monumental ventures. This podcast is for those passionate and driven 20 to 30-somethings at a crossroad trying to figure out what's next. Listen and subscribe at jabberjawmedia.com.